Yaldabaoth, the worm god. If you have never heard of Yaldabaoth, today you're in for a treat because I'm going to get into some mythologies, some ideologies, uh, some myths, some legend, and a little bit of um, what you might consider just a very open-minded view of the, uh, the God of the Old Testament, if you will. Uh, I don't necessarily look forward to doing this episode because this is something that, um, that honestly kind of goes against everything I've been raised with. So as I get into stuff like this, um, it becomes difficult to kind of fight my own fear, if you will. And I thought, well, what better thing to do as we move into the Halloween season than to actually talk about the idea that this God of the Old Testament is actually an evil God. Uh, one of the biggest limiting factors, I believe, for a lot of people when it comes to finding faith within the Bible is the fact that the God of the Old Testament was so horrible. So horrible. Um... Let's see, uh, Robert says, ooh, um, thesis time, uh, what you got for me to learn about today? Uh, what's up, Robert? How are you doing? Um, what's up, Debbie Williams? Thank you for being here. Lynn, thank you for being here. Charlie, Uncle C, what is up? Mary Jane, welcome. Made to Give, welcome. Gary, welcome. It's going to be a great episode today, guys. Uh, you know, again, Halloween being here, we are, what what is today? The 20th. Halloween's just around the corner. If you've never joined the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast, my name is Jacob Cooker, but my friends call me Cub, and you should too, and that's why we call this the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast, where we explore faith, spirituality, and the paranormal every single day. We are an all-inclusive group here, so we welcome everyone from every faith tradition, every walk of life. We don't care who you're married to, where you do or don't go to church. You are welcome here. We are literally a cornucopia community of all kinds of different people uh, from different walks of life and faith um, and orientations. So you you are completely welcome here as long as you're here uh, within the comments with love and light. Um, and really just here to, to support each other as a community. So that's what we're doing. Uh, so as we get going with this, just have an open mind, uh, because this is not against any religion or faith. This is looking at mythologies, uh, that definitely need to be looked at to try and understand a lot of the world faiths that we have today. Um, and just so you guys know, I know the green screen is flickering in and out. I've got a new setup I'm going to try, hopefully this afternoon, instead of the green screen. We even have a white wall behind us, and like the whole you know, system that we're using, just the, the TikTok thing, it, it's just not working well. So we're probably going to be switching where I'll be on the bottom with like a square on the bottom, and then we'll have the picture and a square on the top. So I'm hoping to work on that, uh, and then that way it won't flash in and out, but... Uh, but I like to show the photos just because we make cool artwork that goes with what we're talking about. So Yaldabaoth is uh, kind of a mythical creature or god. Uh, and if you've never heard of Yaldabaoth, uh, you're, you're not alone because I hadn't either. However, let me flash back about six months ago. I saw a video by a friend of mine who's a creator here on TikTok uh, we weren't friends at the time. Since then, I've had several conversations with him. Uh, Sons of God Ministries does a lot of videos about um, the Yahweh of the Old Testament. And he had a video one day, I believe it was called uh, Proof That Yahweh Is Evil or Proof That Yahweh Is Satan, something like that. And I was like, wait a minute. Um, what is this blasphemy? You know, that was immediately where, where my mind went. Um, so as I kind of went there in my mind, I, I watched more of his videos, you know, over a period of a couple of weeks and, uh, finally started answering a lot of questions that I had on like, why is this old Testament God so evil? And is Jesus really corroborating 
the acts and deeds of this Old Testament God. And I'm here to tell you, I don't see any logical way from the data and the research that I have currently that I've collected over the internet from spiritual texts. A lot of it's from the Bible, direct quotes from Old Testament to New Testament. I'm working on a document. I will be giving that out free to the community. The document is called Decoding Faith, Mythology, and the True Mission of Christ. Uh, it's going to be just free on my website, so you can look for that over the next few weeks as I as I finish it up. Um, but it's got a ton of proof that I think really shows that we're we're living a larger narrative than we want to believe. You know, we've we've tried to package things together. I did a whole episode yesterday on kind of how we Frankenstein things together to try and understand things rather than looking at these huge ideas and mythoses um, and trying to understand what this narrative is and what the true message of Christ really was. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Zachariah, bright morning star in revelation. Um, have you read the whole Bible? Uh, dad morning star says, yes, absolutely. I have, um, I have a pretty extensive background in biblical studies. I've taken a lot of, uh, courses on biblical studies. I've also had a lot of biblical mentors. I've even worked in a professional field, uh, within media ministry where I was able to teach a lot, uh, at a church. So, um, you know, I've, I've got a pretty good background in it and I've been reading the Bible ever since I was a little kid. When I was 12 years old, I would dress up as characters from the Bible and put on plays in my grandparents' living room uh, where I would read from the Bible and sing songs from the hymnal and just, you know, give my version of it. Um, so I, I definitely have been, you know, doing this for a long time. That doesn't make me an expert any more than the guy at the pulpit is an expert or any more than the guy that has a doctorate in this is an expert because everybody's going to have their own bias point of view for this. And that's one of the things I really am trying to strip away with what I teach here. And what we do on this channel is stop looking at things with like a bias lens and try to look at them, uh, from, like a larger worldview to add to our understanding rather than just build understanding that can get knocked out from under us if we have new data. And for me, the Gnostic teachings of the Gospel of Thomas was one thing that really opened up the authenticity and the light that Christ brought into the world. And it took him at that point in my life from being this Jesus figure that needed to be worshipped to this entity that is within all of us, this Christ energy, and, and turned into a timeless message that could have been presented any time in history uh, and, and a lot of beauty and light in that Gospel of Thomas. And then when I went back and reread all the Gospels, I just saw a whole different message. And it was really like my eyes were open to the first, the first time to the message of Christ. And why is that important for this? Because I am a, what I would consider a universalist in the fact that all rivers lead to the ocean. There is one truth with many names. Uh, and I certainly see, you know, while I have a very deep rooted belief system in biblical literature, I'm reading the Bhagavad Gita now, which is uh, Eastern, uh, spirituality, um, you know, I'm, I'm reading Buddhist texts, a uh, uh, huge Gnostic text fan. I love the Gnostic texts. If you never heard of the Gnostic texts, uh, they were found, uh, at Nag Hammadi in the desert in 1945. Uh, the Gnostics were a group of early, uh, spiritualists, uh, some would say Christians, but, uh, there was kind of a battle between them and the early church and certainly a lot of back and forth words being said, uh, the Gnostics then hit a lot of texts. There was a, a push after that to destroy a lot of those texts. Uh, but luckily, thank God, we we still have some of those. They were buried in the desert and found in 1945. Uh, and they've been authenticated, you know, and all the stuff, you know, that, that obviously they were from. A lot of them, like Gospel of Thomas, was from like, I think, 60 years after Christ. So like really, really close to the time of Christ. Um and some of the other biblical texts we have were hundreds of years after Christ. So it's really hard to date a lot of this stuff. 
So again, that's why I say open mind on this. Um, I mean, love and no offense to anyone, but we're going to talk about the evil God of the old Testament today. So, uh, if that is offensive to you, then my apologies, but at the same time, please stick around because I think I'm going to reveal some evidence that may make you question everything because it did me. And I think it's important that we do question everything from time to time to really recenter, realign our belief systems and our inner standing to see what's really happening here. Thanks, Annie. I appreciate that. Uh, Jason, what's up? Uh, Zachariah said it. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. Good news, Richard. We reject all your stories and stick with Jesus Christ of the Bible forever. Yeah, I'm talking about the universal Christ. So if you're looking for like the biblical one, this is not the channel for that. Uh, but if you're looking for the authentic Christ, the timeless Christ, the one that is in every timeline and every reality of the multiverse, the one that is ageless and timeless that was there in the beginning when all things were created, this is the channel for you then. And I'm going to reveal today, again, the uh, evil deeds of the God of the Old Testament, who is by all intents and purposes a bloodthirsty, angry God. Um, and we're going to, I'm going to reveal some mythology today that is super, super similar to this Yahweh character. And you're going to, I'm telling you guys buckle up. This is, this is not for the faint of heart today. And it's a perfect installment of our Halloween series because it might be a little bit scary existentially because it was for me. So y'all the Bayoth, um, or which is spelled Y A L A D A. B-A-O-T-H or J-A-L-A-D-O-B-O-T-H or L-L-D-A-B-O-T-H is an evil deity or creator of the material world or the matrix. If you watch my matrix videos, this ties into those. Uh, so he's a creator of the material world. For today's study, I'm going to call him the maker because I believe there's a creator a divine father, the one that Christ came to fully reveal in himself. Uh, yes, Demiurge, absolutely. Uh, we're going to get into that with the Gnosticism here in a second. So for today, I'm going to call him the maker God. He did not create energy and life and unity and love and all the frequencies and vibrations and matter. He created or made the the world that we live in the physical matrix that we live in the lower vibration that we live in uh the one that everyone is essentially indoctrinated into programmed into um we can still see the creator in that makership all around his invisible qualities are everywhere but obviously the simulation was made by this Yaldabaoth or what you may consider Yahweh uh, or Yehovah of the Old Testament. So we're going to get into that today. Um, and like I said, buckle up because what I'm going to share is uh, I wasn't ready to do this video. I wanted to know more about it, but I think I have enough data. I know I have enough data to fill up a whole series, uh, and I just wanted to really get into the depth of this. So what is the Demiurge? The Demiurge is uh, it's Greek Demiurgeos, which means public worker, plural demiurgo. Um, in philosophy, a subordinate God who fashions and arranges the physical world to make it conform to a rational and eternal ideal. So the demiurge uh, is this Yaldabaoth character, which is a worm or a serpent with the head of a lion. Um, and I can't tell you if this is what it really looks like. I can't even tell you if it's really real. I'm just here to tell you, I want to give you the mythology so that when you do read your biblical texts, when you do read other spiritual texts, you have some jumping off point to understand what people believed long ago, uh, what possibly the nature of reality is, and then build your own operating system off of that because that's that's what I'm doing. I'm just a messenger here sharing my experience of reality and you have to design your experience of reality. So, um choices I heard that all the tribes or cities uh God took out were Nephilim or something. 
is that true? According to some mythologies, it is. Um, now, the one we're going to get into today is going to cause you to question Enoch and who Enoch really went and talked with. You know, was he really taken up uh, to actually meet God or was he meeting with a God? Now, here's a presumption I'm going to make before we even get into this study. And this is this is where this can be offensive to some people. There are a lot of gods. A lot. In fact, there are some religions and faiths that have a pantheon of over two million gods. Two million, yes. Uh and and if you if you don't believe that, just look at all of the different pieces of creation on this planet. Look at how many different types of dogs, how many different types of cats, look at how many different types of sea life. Look at all the animals we don't even barely have any understanding of you know you have things like sasquatch bigfoot all of those things again that's what we talk about on this channel so the idea that there are millions of gods is is certainly not off base now i believe there is one authentic god one source god a god of gods and we're going to talk about the god of gods today so in the background right now i have my representation of yaldabaoth and I made some AI artwork today around that uh, being, you know, this this evil God breathing fire and smoke. He's described as a dragon sometimes. Um, he also meets the exact specifications of the Satan or Hasatan uh, in, in a lot of the verses I'm going to share today. So, you know, here's another creepy picture of him. Here is what, you know, this my kind of comic book rendition of the Supreme God. The God of gods, El Elyon, God Most High, the the Father that I believe Christ came to reveal. Now, getting into biblical studies around this, there is uh, there's a ton of verses, and it is up to you to do the research, not me, you. Now, I am going to share a document as soon as I get it done. It'll be a free ebook, and it's going to go through and basically break down my worldview so that you can continue to build yours and try to get a larger picture of what's going on. And again, it's going to be called something to the effect of decoding faith, mythology, and the authentic mission of Jesus Christ. Um, and so that is, um, that's going to be the, the gist of it. It'll be a short ebook, but I want to give that away for free just because I need a place to put the amalgamation of all this information I've collected in one place. That's easy to understand. The Old Testament is pieces of different mythologies, different understandings, and different tribal experiences of God. Now, understand that if you are an, an ancient people and you see fire and smoke come out of the heavens and descend upon a mountain, and that entity stands with your prophet and gives your prophet a law, a religious law to follow, uh, Hank says, love the picture behind you. Thank you very much, Hank. Appreciate that. If you see that God descend in fire and smoke upon the mountain and he's terrible and requires being feared and yes, he'll give blessings because it's in his best interest to continue the makership that he's supposed to be managing. You're going to call him God. And by the way, that God might get proud and that God might need to be bargained with and that God might need sacrifice and sustaining on this planet because this is not his true home. Now, why do I bring this up? Because I am an ancient astronaut theorist. I believe that we've been visited by extraterrestrials. I believe we still are. And I believe some of them are massive, massive ships, fire and smoke. Um, I believe that when people looked upon these entities in the Bible and Bible times, they might call it a dragon and it might be a very long ship that pours out fire and smoke from the front with some sort of weaponry, some sort of, um, you know, climate enhancement. Yahweh was often called in Sumerian culture, the God of storms. He would bring rain he would uh, bring earthquakes, fire, smoke, different things like that. He's also responsible for parting the Red Sea, you know, controlling the elements. Now, obviously, in that story, it was called an angel of the Lord. 
So it's almost like he had an angel or a ship or another entity working with him. It's so hard for us to understand because we weren't there. Yes, Inky and Enlil, I'm not going to get into them today. That's a whole nother Anunnaki video we'll get into. But for the purposes of today, we're going to stick with Gnosticism and some of the Greek understandings of what this mythology is. So Demiurge being this serpent or this worm god, um, you know, <laughs> this gets deep. And I'm telling you, just looking for information on this, you're going to find a thousand different points of view on what this is. So uh, Gnosticism originated in the late first century CE in non-rabbinical Jewish and early Christian sects. In the formation of Christianity, various uh, Sicarian groups labeled Gnostics by their opponents emphasized spiritual knowledge or gnosis of the divine spark within over faith in the teachings and traditions of the various communities of Christians. Now, different faith than the faith that Christ spoke of. Faith that Christ spoke of was this living thing within you a return to the divine, knowing that you have it within you. What did he say when the woman reached out and she grabs his cloak and she's healed? He said, your faith has healed you. So Nancy says, I'm out. Totally understand this is not a lesson for everyone. So um, th this is hard to hear. So uh, for those with eyes to see and ears to hear, Today is a definite, uh, a definite world-rocking, faith-challenging episode. So, um, divine spark within, absolutely. Um, <laughs> somebody says you just gave away thirty-third degree of uh, knowledge from a certain organization. Um, for any that don't know, well, thank you, Robert. I, I have no association with that organization. Um, I, I am fascinated by it, but I'm certainly not uh, a part of it or anything. I just am doing my own research and uh, and specifically looking at ancient texts. That's really where um, that's really where it comes from. So um, Annie Logan says you're not doing it disrespectfully. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, his statement was her faith in him. Now go look at all the originals. It never says in him. Go look at go look at the Greek in that. You know, I mean, we can look that verse up now. I'm not going to sit here and argue verses with you guys. The the message is literally there. He came to show you that you're divine, and that's what I believe. And people can argue all day long. Well, this says this. You know, we got a thousand different translations of the Bible, and each one of them says something di different. And when you start looking at the Greek and you start looking at the Gnostic texts and you actually take away all the other pieces of the Bible, just look at the Gospels and then look at the Greek in those Gospels, you're going to get a whole different message than what you've been packaged and sold. And that's what I'm here. Uh, that's what I'm here to actually try and reveal. So... Um, let's see what started you on this journey. Um, man, a lot of bad mistakes, a lot of triumphs and loss, um, losing my business, struggling with addictions, um, hating myself because I had been raised in a system that really made me hate myself. And I didn't understand why why the God that I was serving was making me hate myself. Like I didn't understand that. Um, that became really hard to deal with. So, so going down this rabbit hole, um, what was, was really difficult for me because I had to strip away and deprogram everything I thought I knew about my God. Now, the one thing that kind of became clear as I went down this rabbit hole was, from the time I was a kid, I would go play <clears throat> outdoors and then we had a big backyard with a, a rope swing and all the cool stuff, you know, that, that a little boy wants, but I always talked to a deity, you know, I was taught to, to speak with God as a friend. And beyond that, I just knew there was something there guiding me my whole life. No, nothing I could see or hear, nothing weird. Like, you know, and not that that's weird. A lot of people experience that, but 
you know, there was no like outward signs of this. It was just like, I knew I was never alone. I knew I was always, I always had someone with me. Uh, and I spoke to this father, this spirit all through my childhood. I would even, you know, be able to speak out loud and, and, you know, play in my room and have these, you know, you know, experiences with this creative entity that was around me. Um, somebody said, uh, let's see in rock. We trust, uh, said glad you were able to break out and see your truth. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, and I'm so, so glad that I was able to, uh, Christina, we're going to talk about the worm God in just a second. That's y'all the bay off, not who I was talking with. I was speaking with the father. It was finally revealed to me. I was speaking with the father, the divine father, uh, who is spirit and truth from, from a young age. And then I was taught all these things about the God of the old Testament and I never aligned with it. And I was taught that Jesus was the son of the God of the old Testament. And I never fell in love with Jesus. All these people fell in love with Jesus. They're having these experiences. They got saved and baptized. And I did too. And I had an emotional response, but it never changed my life. It never changed my life. And I found myself suffering more and more and more because I couldn't worship Jesus because I couldn't find him because if he's the son of this evil God, why do I want him? Like, why does my savior have to buy me back from his father who did all these evil things? I was doing research yesterday and there's a group that that's the Gnostic group and they've done a lot of research on the unalivings in the old Testament by, by God, by Yahweh. And their estimate is over 25 million. If you include, you know, all the things like the flood, the Passovers, all, all of those things. Now, actual KO count is like 2.5 million. But again, their estimate is more like 25 million. You guys can go do, no worries, Christina, no worries. Um, you, you guys can do your own research on this because again, it'll blow your mind and I'm not going to be here to tell you this is all truth, but I'm just telling you, this is where I'm at. So finally, when I, I started admitting that, Hey, I don't really like the God of the old Testament. And then I've, I've talked to people about that before, even pastors. And they're like, well, you know, he's righteous and he's holy. And that's where all the divine fire and brimstone comes from and all that stuff. You know, and he doesn't hate people. He had to you know, get rid of a lot of people because they were wicked. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> okay. So let's take another presumption right now. A lot of people view themselves like this. A lot of people feel like they are so full of sin and doubt and fear and ang anguish and uh, desire and worry and all these things that just cause them to just contort and feel like a worm. I literally heard a sermon by a pastor one time. And he said, we are all worms in a bucket. We're just little worms to God. And I'm thinking, dude, you're serving the wrong God. Because I ain't no worm. I'm an eternal, divine, spiritual being of light with the power of the universe within me. And so are you. We are children of the most high God. If we are not, then Christ's sacrifice was not sufficient and it was worthless or he is a liar. And I don't believe that Christ is a liar. And I'm about to show you some verses. I'm going to finish the mythology of Yaldabaoth and then I'm going to share some verses at the end of this episode that are going to show to you, I believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt that either Yahweh in the Old Testament is a liar or Jesus is a liar. You decide. I choose to believe Christ. I believe he is the light of God. I believe he's the logos of God, the product of the divine father and the divine mother. The love became real, became light, which is the logos, the divine expression of God. Look up logos. Look up what the word of God is. We have thousands of years of tradition trying to make the Bible the word of God. I'm here to tell you it does not say in the Bible that the Bible is the word of God. If you look up what the word of God is in Greek, it is the logos, the divine computation or expression. So that's one thing you have to clear out of your system is understanding that the Bible is a book full of mythologies, 
full of prophecies and full of this messianic message, full of the love of Christ. You have to decide how to separate it. You have to decide how to interpret it. And you may say, well, that's really hard. I don't have time for that. Well, welcome to life. That's the whole point. We're here to figure out who we are. And if you can't break free from the matrix and start to see the authentic reality, then nobody can help you. And no doctrine, no religion, no faith tradition is going to save you. And that's what I believe. Again, that may not be a popular opinion, but that's what I believe. And Yaldabaoth did a great job of making himself God. And again, I'm going to show you with biblical scripture as well as the Gnostic ideology here. So quick thing on the Gnostic cosmology here. This is where it gets weird and wild and fanciful. And I'm not saying I believe all of this, but I definitely see this trend in the Old Testament once we have a presumption of understanding this. Um, so there is not Gnostic mythology, uh, which comes from the idea that you have a supreme being who was unity, who was consciousness, who was this spark that created everything. And from him emanated everything. This being was perfect and beautiful and all knowing. And from that came the mother, the spirit what we might consider the Holy Spirit. Some versions of this mythology say that the Father is the Holy Spirit and the Mother is actually more of the Creator God because obviously birth, mother, you know. So depending on what what mythology you read on this, there's there's a couple of different opinions on it. But getting into the Apocryphon, Apocryphon of John or what is called the Secret Book of John. Again, this is a real text. It's a real Gnostic text. It is really old. This is not something someone wrote in 1995 to try to disprove God or anything. This is some ancient wisdom here. So uh, you have the supreme being or heavenly father. And then in the first eon, um, he's mostly referred to as the invisible spirit or Holy Spirit. That's where, again, I believe the Holy Spirit is more of the mother spirit, the comforter, that type of thing. The way Christ described the spirit. I kind of get a different vibe from that. But in the gospel of the Egyptians, he is called the great invisible spirit for the sake of convenience. This article is going to call him the father or spirit. This article is at timelessmyths.com slash mirrors slash Gnostic timelessmyths.com slash mirrors slash Gnostic. I'm not associated with this website or anything. I've just found some good data on it and I wanted to share. So, um, so we have the divine father, the divine mother, and then from their love comes the only begotten child, a form of pure light, the spark of existence, which is the product of the love of this divine intelligence and this divine spirit, however you want to view them. That is the Logos, the divine computation, which is in you and me, by the way. The entire idea, so that would be the Gnostic Holy Trinity, which it's so weird that there is really a thing called Gnosticism, and it really is, you know, thousands of years old, and it really is, has some belief systems, because I already started to see these belief systems after 2020. I put my hand on this mountain bike over here. I've told the story a hundred times. I said, Lord, I'm ready for my life's work. I'm ready for the authentic reality and gospel. I don't care if it shakes everything I think I know. I don't even care if the truth is in the Bible or not. I want to know it. And and if if I have to learn from yogis, if I have to learn from uh, gurus or masters, or I have to learn from direct downloads from you or other ancient scripts, I said, I don't even, at that time, I hadn't even looked into Gnosticism. I hadn't even looked outside the Bible. I was literally teaching a Bible study class. I had a Bible study group online. I was teaching with my church, working in my church. And then all of this data starts to come at me. And it was, again, it was, I didn't even go seeking it after this. I just prayed the prayer, 
started to read my Bible, I started to think, God, there's something weird about this God of the Old Testament. There's something about the message of Christ that's like transcendent of this like old reality. And it's almost like he's speaking out against it, uh, not as a means to condemn, but really trying to rescue people from this old God. Uh, Deanna says Mormons as well have a heavenly mother. Oh, interesting. That's good to know. I did not know that. Um, let's see. I'm not sure what you mean, Jess. Sorry. Um, okay. I'm not going to look at comments for today. Sorry. I love you guys. Normally I take comments, but for today, I really, really want to get into this and I will never finish if I read the comments. So, so we've got the divine father, the divine mother, and then we have the son, the begotten son. Now, the Sumerian culture had a pantheon of gods. They had El Elyon, or El, just El, the god of gods, who is represented by a bull. Also, representation in the water. Okay? We get baptism. Remember when the Israelites come down or they're down on the base of the mountain, they're worshiping a golden calf or a golden bull. We don't really know, but you can go to that rock now and you see a bull drawn on there. I believe that, you know, we're told biblically that that was Baal. I believe it was El. I believe they were trying to return to the, the origin of their faith. Yahweh gets really, really mad at this point. Um, so this divine trinity is also representative in the Egyptian trinity of Osiris, Isis, and Horus. This trinity is present in, like, I think literally almost all of these ancient faiths have some sort of triune godhead. And then there's pantheons under that. And I was raised to believe there are no other gods. You know, you don't worship any other gods. And I'm certainly not saying I'm going and worshiping other gods. I'm just saying... I certainly need to know about the Old Testament God because if I'm trying to worship him and he's making me hate myself, that's a problem. So, um, let's see. Um, so, yeah, we got the creepy image in the background, Yaldabaoth. He is basically a product, without going through all of this, you have this divine triune that starts to then create other divine entities, you know, lower than them on the totem pole. And from that, you get Sophia, which is wisdom. And so wisdom is pure wisdom, but doesn't have a lot of common sense, I guess. Again, I don't know. I'm just, this is speculation from, from the text that I have. So you have wisdom, and wisdom, out of ignorance, it says, decides to beget a son for herself. Um, and then that son... Uh, so it says Sophia probably in pride tried to emulate the invisible spirit or the father by producing Barbello, uh, by creating an image of herself, meaning that she wanted to produce an offspring without either a consort or the approval of the father spirits. Um, as an Aeon, she did have the power to do so, but she wasn't perfect like the great spirit or like the other two perfect Aeons, Barbello and the autogenes. I don't understand all of this, guys. I'm just telling, like, I'm just reading it. Um, she was horrified when she spawned an ugly, imperfect creature, a lion-faced serpent with eyes of fire, whom she called Yaldabaoth. Here we have Yaldabaoth. Basically, the Sophia wisdom wanted an offspring, and rather than doing it by marrying another god or getting approval from the Divine Father, she did it in her own pride and created this demonic offspring basically yald Bayoth. so she's horrified doesn't even want her own child she casts that child away uh and she's let's see so she casts her offspring out of pleroma which i guess is this divine world they live in and hid her child within a thick cloud from the other aeons because of her embarrassment and shame. So these aeons are kind of attributes that were created from the divine trinity, from the way I understand it. Um, so Yaldabaoth was the first archon or ruler, and he stole his mother's power so that she wasn't able to escape from the cloud. 
Despite gaining Sophia's aeonic power, he was weak, but he was ambitious and power hungry. So here we go. You've got Yaldabaoth spawned now. He's hidden in a cloud of smoke or fire or fog or whatever you want to call it. He's hidden in this darkness. And in the Apocryphon of John 2, 11, 20, part 2, verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 20, it says, I am God and there are no other gods besides me. And this is Yaldabaoth's claim. Compare directly with Hosea 13, 4, 8. I am Yahweh, your God from the land of Egypt. And you shall acknowledge no God but me. You guys see a theme here? It's crazy, crazy, crazy. And we haven't been taught this because it's uncomfortable. It's mythological. It's unquantifiable. You can't prove it. And by the way, there's no way to get people to do what you want them to do because you can't put it in one book, teach a doctrine around it, and make sure people keep coming back. There we go. Yeah. There, there's my Yalda Danoff. Abel. No, sir. Um, barking, at, barking at a dog walking down the street. So, um, in Apocryphon of John here, um, Okay, yeah. So Yaldabaoth boasted to other archons, I am God and there is no other God besides me. Now I'm going to get into the biblical text. I've given you enough of that. Basically, Yaldabaoth decides to make the physical matrix. Sorry about the flashing in and out, guys. I promise I'm going to fix this setup so that this this is done. Yaldabaoth makes the physical matrix. Did he make planet Earth? I don't know. I mean, I don't understand how all that fits together. Did he make the matrix where we are blinded to the authentic reality? Absolutely. Annie says hi, doggos. Yeah, absolutely. Abel says hi. Um, did he make the physical matrix? I believe so. Absolutely. The The thing that keeps us in this physical shell, keeps us focused physically on the monies, the stuffs, the even the worldly relationships that we find valuable rather than realizing we are all divine beings, that we are all divinely intelligent, that we're connected to the Father, the Mother, through the Son, because we are all the Son. We are all the Logos. And... Christ came to reveal that to us. And again, if you start reading through the scriptures of what Christ said, don't try to corroborate the Old Testament. Don't try to corroborate the early church either, by the way. That'll really confuse you too. For me, I look at the Gospels. And then I look at the Gnostic texts, the mythologies. also look at other Eastern philosophies. And all of that ties together a lot more beautifully when you don't try to justify the God of the Old Testament. So I'm going to start reading from this document I have, which is going to going to blow your mind here. So I promised I would do this and I will share this full document. This is my research put together from the actual, um, from the actual biblical text. So this is really interesting. So I've got two sections on this. On the left side is the extraterrestrial God or what we're going to call Yaldabaoth or Yahweh or these kind of lower life form gods. Not that they're not infinitely more powerful than us. They could obviously make these shells that we're in, make the, the genetic makeup that we have, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but by all intents and purposes, extraterrestrial. They're not from this planet. Uh, they maybe even made the planet and they certainly made the flesh that we're in. So uh, extraterrestrial gods. Here are a few things that represent that extraterrestrial God in the Bible. Ezekiel's wheel inside the wheel, UFO. Jacob's ladder. He called that, he said, uh, I will call this place pineal, the pineal gland, the ladder to God. Parting of the Red Sea, obviously a physical event that happened. They were following a pillar of fire and smoke. It was uh, fire by night, smoke by day basically a giant pill shaped UFO. If you ask me, 
um, it parted the Red Sea and let them pass. Obviously, technology well beyond them. And obviously, they said, this is God and I will worship it. Commandments are given in fire and smoke, the burning bush. Remember that Yaldabaoth is trapped in smoke, right? Um, Moses' sacrifice is actually consumed by the orbs. They they float down. There's a, a, a smoking uh, orb and then a, a a fiery orb. You know what what you would consider the shiny ones. The We've all talked about UFOs and orbs in the sky. And I'm not saying all of these are bad. Obviously, the divinity, the triune still has angels that serve at at, at its will. So um, Enoch being taken up, extraterrestrial, you know, blood sacrifices, the Aaronic priesthood. Um, you've got all of these things being done to appease the gods. One of the attributes, attributes of Yaldabaoth is that his throne floats above a lake of blood. Um, one of the common iconographies of specifically the uh, more demonic types of extraterrestrials is some people have claimed that they see pools of, you know, blood and gore uh, where they're feeding off of it and, and extracting the nutrients out of it. It doesn't matter, you know, what animals they have to get. And then you, you tie that with the the sacrifices in the Old Testament. So getting into the, the light here, the good side, the spiritual father that Christ came to reveal. The new covenant, the most high God, the spirit and truth, the mind of Christ, the body of Christ, the transfiguration, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, being caught up to Christ in the spirit, the kingdom within you. If thine eye be single, seen spiritually compassion not sacrifice and then finally the melchizedek priesthood which i'll talk about we're going to talk more about that a lot in december so getting into the verses so you see like i'm going to read the first one is going to be like the extraterrestrial representation second one's going to be the spiritual representation of the father so here's where it gets good guys thank you guys for sticking with me i hope this is a good lesson for today because it's just a lot of data to go through Jeremiah 32, 26 through 27. Then came the word of Yahweh to Jeremiah saying, Behold, I am Yahweh, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Then John 4, 23 through 24. But an hour is coming now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I think I could probably stop there. Yahweh is the God of flesh. The Father is the God of the spirit. I, I probably don't need to, to offer any more proof beyond that. But one love, absolutely. Thank you. John 3 in the World English Bible, verse 5. Jesus answered, Most certainly I tell you, unless one is born of water, L, bull, water, remember I said that a minute ago, and spirit, what is spirit? The mother, the Holy Spirit. He can't enter into God's kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Already making these transitions back and forth. 1 Kings eight twelve. Then Solomon said, Yahweh has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. Who else dwells in thick darkness? Yaldabaoth. Again, I think it's the same entity here, the same mythology for sure. 1 John 1, 5, getting to the Spirit. This is the message which we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Again, I, I can stop there. It's in your Bible. Why do we not see it and why do pastors not preach it? Because we have been literally programmed by the matrix for thousands of years. And we have a book that was created by a lot of religious men that didn't necessarily have good intentions. I have dogs that are ready to eat. I'm going to stop this and I promise I'm going to be back at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time today. So this will be part one. And maybe I'll have the flashing green screen fixed here. 
This will be part one. Please come back this afternoon. And if you're listening on the podcast, on the audio, or you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or anything like that after the fact, please, please, please check out the second part of this. The second part of this, I'm going to get into what the divine father really is according to biblical text and logic and wisdom and knowledge that we all have to return to Gnosis and understand who the father really is and what the true mission of Jesus Christ was. That's what I'm here to help reveal. That's probably what my life's work is. That thing that I prayed in 2020 and then my whole life came collapsing down and then I was left with no other option than to do exactly what I'm doing full time. And we get to have a lot of fun with it. We're doing the Halloween series. We talk about aliens and UFOs. We talk about ghosts. We talk about faith, spirituality, paranormal. We're going to be going through the Bhagavad Gita. We're looking at Lord Krishna and the resemblance between Krishna and Christ. We're going to look at the resemblance between Buddha and Christ. And pr I promise you this is not sacrilegious stuff, guys. All of these are the same stories. We just have different viewpoints within these stories. You know, if you even look at the Gospels, uh, another one of my friends on TikTok, he's been talking about how the Gospels are written to different people, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all written to like, this is for like believers that already believe in spirit. This is for believers that are still trying to follow the old law. This is for believers like, you know, there's different, it's, it's different points of view. Just because it's a different point of view doesn't mean it's not true. Um, but logically, we start looking at these verses Tell me why Yahweh is in thick darkness and the father that Christ is revealing says that he is light and in him is no darkness at all. He's literally speaking out against the God of the Old Testament and I can keep proving it and I will keep proving it. I might be wrong, but the data certainly adds up overwhelming in the favor of Yahweh of the Old Testament has more in common with Satan. And by the way, I'm going to reveal this afternoon how the description of Yahweh in the Old Testament is actually the description of the beast that comes against Christ in the book of Revelation. It's going to be mind-blowing. Come back this afternoon, guys. I love you. Thank you for 130,000 followers on TikTok. We're almost at 200,000 on Facebook. We're in the multi-thousands now on YouTube. You can find everything over at my website. Don't forget to join the membership if you love what I'm doing. We've got a $9 a month membership right now for our Supernatural team. You're going to get some awesome stuff, including a private Facebook group where we can chat back and forth. I can drop more videos over there. You're also going to get with that a monthly Zoom meeting where we're actually going to meet together to empower each other supernaturally to go out and share this authentic gospel with other people. Not the one that inherently comes from a certain religious bent or tradition, but the one that we know within us is true because within each of us is a divine being of light. And I promise you, if you look back as young as a child, that being of light wants to come out and play. And somehow over time, the matrix in the world extinguishes that light. So we feel a lot more like this on the inside than this. But this is what we all need to return to, the true gnosis of the gospel of Christ. I love you guys. I will see you this afternoon. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for your support. Love and light to all. Peace.